Amen. Thank you, Pete. Well, it's good to be with you today. My name is Ken. Uh, they've already mentioned I'm not Mike. You knew that already. Uh, I don't look like Mike. I'm not as tall as Mike. I'm not as smart as Mike. Um, all sorts of other things, but uh, it's good to see you. Everybody doing good today? Yeah. One of the things I, uh, I love to say is I love people to talk back to me during my message. So would you help me by talking back a little? Yeah? All right. All right. Good. I also say that if you talk back, my sermon will be shorter. Yeah. The only problem is when I say it, it's a lie. <laughs> hey, it, uh, it really is good to be back with you. I've spoken at the Brook Church a number of times, but it's been a while, and so uh, I know some of your faces are new, but I'm, I'm very happy to be here. Uh, Houston, Texas has become the most diverse city culturally and racially in America. Did you know that? We're more diverse than New York City. Yeah. More diverse than Miami, Florida. More diverse than L.A. Uh, any city in America, we're the most diver- diverse city in, uh, in the country. And uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes, uh, you know, we live up here in spring, Tomball area, and we don't even notice the diversity around us. And often, I know in my own life, I'm much more comfortable around people that talk the same way I do, have the same belief system that I do, uh, are somewhat similar to me. Those are the people I'm most comfortable with. And it's a challenge for me to embrace and understand that the diversity not only is a good thing, but diversity in my own life helps me to grow and become a better person. I think often... Uh, we're challenged by that. I think often, especially when diversity gets shaped in differing beliefs, it's easy for us to quickly assume that if someone believes different than I do, they become the enemy and we treat them like enemies. Today, I want to invite you to ask the question in your life, what do you think Jesus would have us do How do you think Jesus would have us behave even with people who are different than we are or who have beliefs that are different than ours? What's the proper way to live? I know a lot of Christians respond in a lot of different ways that don't seem very consistent to the way and the teachings of Jesus. And so this morning, in the little bit of time that we have together, I want to call you back to what was Jesus about, and are we living the same kind of life? There's an interesting story in the New Testament. It's found in Luke chapter 9, and it's a a little small little story. It's found in verses 51 through 55, and it's not a story that we normally go to very often. And I just want to tell you the story today. I'm not going to read uh, from the Bible uh, other than just tell you this really, really interesting story. So Jesus and his disciples have been in a region of Israel up to the northern part of the country uh, around Galilee and what's called the Sea of Galilee. 
And Jesus, not only did he have the 12 disciples that were with him, but he had an entourage of people, a group of women that were supporting him financially, and a group of other people that were traveling with him. And Jesus was going from town to town and village to village. And you know the stories. He was performing miracles, and he was casting out demons, and he was welcoming people into relationship with God that had been excluded. He was being, bringing hope into people's lives, and he was bringing wholeness into people's lives. And he was demonstrating, as we just sang that, that beautiful song about how much God loves us, Jesus was the living demonstration of the love of God. Everywhere he went, he modeled for people what love was like and what love was about. He performed miracles. He did good deeds. He made the world a better place around him, demonstrating what the kingdom of God might look like if God were here and God were in charge and God were in control, if we would just let him be that way. So that's what Jesus was doing. And then there came a moment in the, in the midst of his journey that Jesus decided it's time to move from Galilee, which was up in the north, and go back down to Jerusalem, which was in the southern part of the country, and to do ministry and to do what he was going to do there. And you and I all know the story that as Jesus turned his heart toward Jerusalem, that that would be the place of his crucifixion and his resurrection and all of the things that you and I are anticipating even today in the calendar uh, and, and part of what we're about today. So Jesus turns his heart toward Jerusalem. Now here's the problem. There's one little problem. And the little problem is, is that between Galilee in the north and Jerusalem in the south, there was this group of people called the Samaritans. Anybody out there in the crowd know anything about Samaritans? If you do, just tell me. Yeah, you told me, good. So what? Tell me, tell me something you know about them. They don't associate with the Jews, exactly. In fact, they don't associate with the Jews because the Jews excluded them. The Jews said they're mixed race, so we don't want to have anything to do with you. And by the way, you're not included in our worship experience. And so the Samaritans had to go create their own worship, create their own place to worship. And if you remember in the Bible the story of Jesus and the woman at the well, it was a Samaritan woman, and there was a, she, she began to debate Jesus about where's the appropriate place to worship. And the reason for that was the Jews had excluded the Samaritans. They didn't want anything to do with them. In fact, if you can imagine, year after year after year, and generation after generation after generation, there was an enormous animosity and hatred that was built between the two groups. In fact, it was so bad that the Jews in the northern part of Galilee, when they decided to head down to Jerusalem for a festival or for a feast or for worship in the temple, they wouldn't even go through Samaria. They would go way around, and in fact, depending on who you read, they would, they would take a trip that would cost them at least one to two days extra in time just to avoid the Samaritans. They'd go across a little mountain path and down over to the Jordan River and up the road along the Jordan and back up toward the mountains and into a, villa, a community called Jericho and across the mountains again and into Jerusalem and it would take them way out of the way to do that just to avoid a group of people that they didn't like. 
Now, I don't know hardly any of you, and those that I do know, I don't know very well. But, I, but here, you know, I know that nobody in the room, because it's a Christian church and it's Sunday morning, right? I know none of you would go out of your way to avoid anyone that you didn't like, right? Amen? Where's that amen, brother? All right, there we go. Yeah, yeah. I know none of you would do that. I know I wouldn't do that, right? Yeah, wrong. Sure we do that, right? Yeah, we go out of our way to avoid people that are different than us. We, avoid, we go out of our way to avoid people that we don't want to associate with, and that's exactly what they were doing. Now, here's the deal. Jesus was doing all of that really good stuff, and one of the other things that Jesus was doing, Jesus was in the business of making disciples of his way. He was shaping people in his image. He was saying to people, all right, this entourage that's with me, he said, I want you to begin to live life my way. And, and do you know why he did that? Because Jesus said, living life my way is a better way to live in the here and now, not just the hereafter when you die. And so I want you to begin your, to live your life my way. He's making and forming disciples. And so here's what Jesus does. Jesus, in making disciples, and by the way, he'll do this with you and I as well, stretch them out of their comfort zones. And he said, guess where we're going? We're going to Jerusalem, and guess how we're going to get there? We're going smack dab right through the middle of Samaria, the place you want to avoid. Now, I can just imagine that the disciples were a whole lot like you and I. Can you imagine that? Anybody can imagine that. Yeah. And, and so what, would, what did they do when Jesus said, we're going through Samaria? I can just imagine, oh, hallelujah, Jesus is stretching me out of my comfort zone. I'm so glad he's going to do that. He's going to take me where I don't want to go. No, I, I can just imagine those disciples yipping back there behind his back, can't you? I can't believe, you know, but that's, you know, Jesus, what's he doing? Jesus is forming disciples. And he's calling you and I to be formed in that same way, by the way. And so Jesus heads through Samaria. Now, in that day, here's another thing you need to know. There was no Motel 6 to keep the light on for you. None whatsoever. Uh, every now and then, if it was a large enough community, they might have an inn. But typically, as part of the culture of the day, people would welcome people into their homes. So somebody would come along and they'd say, well, you come stay with me. And you come have a, a, a meal with me. And they would welcome them in. It's part of the culture. And so Jesus, knowing that it was getting late and that they were heading into territory that was uncomfortable for them, and oh, by the way, it was a little dangerous because there had been people murdered along the route, Jesus sent two or three of his disciples ahead to the little village, the next village, and he said, would you go to the next village and see if the people there would welcome us in and provide hospitality for us? and welcome us into their homes and into their lives, and welcome us. And so two or three disciples went on ahead. I don't, know, I don't know if they had a horse or a camel or a donkey or if they ran. I don't know how they got ahead of the group, but they went ahead of the group. I also don't know how many people Jesus had in his entourage, but we do know he had at least 12. And just if you, if you put all of it together, more than likely, Jesus had 25 or 30 people that were traveling with him. So can you imagine somebody knocking on your door and saying, oh, by the way, this guy named Jesus is coming through town, and would you host 30 of us tonight for supper? 
Well, they go, they go to the community, and in fact, everything is going really well. These Samaritans who are hated by the Jews welcome these three Jewish people in uh, there, and it's almost as if they're ready to welcome them into their community and say, yeah, we'll put you up, and then they hear that Jesus is headed to Jerusalem. It's like a cuss word to them. Remember the argument? Are we to worship in Jerusalem or are we worshiping uh, on Mount Gerizim over here? And, and instantly when they heard Jesus was going to Jerusalem, all of their prejudices rose up, all of their biases rose up, all of their hatred rose up, and they said, no, we will not welcome you, we will not welcome whoever this Jesus is, and we won't welcome any of you into our community. So the two or three uh, who had gone to ask the question go back to the original group to tell Jesus what's going on, okay? So they get there, and they tell Jesus, and and the Scripture doesn't tell us much of, of, of anything about how Jesus responded, but when the other disciples heard the news, two of Jesus' closest followers, two guys named James and John, Now, if you remember, Jesus had an inner circle of disciples, Peter, James, and John. They were his closest associates. Well, James and John, two of those people, two of the people that had been with Jesus almost from the beginning, two of the people, can can you get this in your minds, two of the people that had seen every miracle Jesus had performed, seen all of the good things Jesus had done, watched how Jesus loved people and welcomed people into their life, when these two or three that had gone to ask the people to welcome them come back with the bad news that no, they wouldn't do that, James and John go ballistic. I mean, they overreact to the nth degree. And here's what they do. They look at Jesus and they say, would you like for us to call down fire from heaven and annihilate that village? Now, how in the world these two jokers thought they were going to call fire from heaven? I have no idea. But somehow they thought, well, we're hanging with Jesus, and Jesus does miracles. Maybe we can call fire from heaven and just annihilate somebody. I don't know. Now, here's the other thing I I don't know. Well, I probably do know. I, I, I know that none of you, being good Christian people like you are, have ever wanted God to strike anybody dead. (laughs) Some of you aren't grinning out there. You ought to be grinning about that, right? Come on. Yeah. You've never wanted God to nuke somebody. Yeah, we have, haven't we? I have to confess, there's times, you know, you just get so fed up with somebody, you just say, God, you know, just call that poor soul on home, you know? I mean, that's the nice way of saying, God, would you just strike them dead? Well, that's what these two two followers of Jesus said to him. The next little phrase, it's, it's not in some of the most uh, of the oldest manuscripts, but what's reported for us is that Jesus turned to those two guys and basically said this. He said, fellas, you just don't get it. You don't get who I am and you don't get what I'm about. I didn't come to destroy people's lives. 
I came to bring wholeness to people's lives. I came to free people up from all the things that keep them in bondage, including their prejudices and their hatreds. I came to offer love to people, not to destroy people. And I want you to know, folks, that that's what Jesus came to do. And he came and he invites you and I to be his disciples. And you and I live in a world that's very, it, it's very different than the world I was born into. We live in a world that's very different. And there's diversity all around us. And there's belief systems that are different than ours. And it's really easy to make people like that the enemy. And in the name of Jesus to hate them and to be prejudiced against them. Or maybe just to avoid them completely. And Jesus says, I believe, I want you to be people who offer hospitality to welcome into your lives the strangers that are all around you. You see, there's a Greek word that's phileo xenos, and it means love for the stranger. Love for the one you don't know. Love for the one that's overlooked and ignored. Do you remember that section of Scripture in Matthew chapter 25? It's kind of a, a little bit bizarre section of Scripture because it's this picture of, of Jesus dividing all the people of the earth and there's the sheep and there's the goats. And he, and he says to them, he says, I, one of the things that he says is, I was a stranger and you welcomed me into your life. And the group of people look at Jesus and, and say, when did we ever do that? And Jesus then said to them, when you did it to the least of these, when you did it to any of those that are overlooked and ignored, you did it to me. I want you to be people of hospitality. You see, the word hospitality comes from a similar root as the word hostility. And it's almost as if we have a choice. We can respond to the stranger in our life with hostility, or we can respond to the stranger in our life with hospitality, which simply means we have love for them and we welcome them in. So what does that look like? Well, I, I want to tell you what I think it might look like. I think it might look like my neighbor Bill. I moved into the house we live in about six years ago, and... Um, Bill is, a, is an older gentleman, retired, lives by himself, divorced, has two or three dogs, and he walks his dogs every day, quote-unquote, for exercise for the dogs, although he lives in a very nice fenced-in yard. And so one day, I, I, I've seen Bill, before I knew him, I saw him walking through my neighborhood multiple times, and on one day, I made a horrible mistake. I happened to walk out to the mailbox about the time Bill was walking in front of my house. And here's why it was a mistake. For the next 45 minutes, literally, I was listening to Bill. You, ever, you know anybody like that? I mean, Bill's one of those guys that'll talk your arm off, whisper in the hole, and just keep on talking. Bill's a chain smoker, blowing secondhand smoke on you the whole time he's talking. Got a rough, talks about everything. And the minute you try to leave, Bill's got another story to tell you. All right? I mean, Bill was just kind of, kind of annoying. 
And so I come in the house finally, literally, this is, I'm not exaggerating one bit, 45 minutes later, I get back in the house, I tell my wife, oh my gosh, I just got trapped by this guy out there at the mailbox, he wouldn't let me go. Well, then about a week later, guess what happened? I did it again. So after the second time, you know, I'm a pastor, right? And, I, and I'm a good Christian man, and I, I have the love of Jesus all over me, and I want to exude, you know, I want it to. And so I come back in, and here's what I tell my wife after the second time. Phil, I know you won't believe this about me, brother. But I come back, and I tell my wife, listen, the next time I get caught by Bill, you come outside with the phone and tell me I have a phone call <laughs> so that I can come in. I mean, I know none of you would ever behave like that, and I apologize. I know none of you have any people in your life like that that you just soon avoid, right? Well, after making that commitment that my wife was going to do that, I don't know how long it was later, somewhere along the way, God began to speak into my heart and say, Ken, Bill's the stranger. I'm in Bill. And when you, if you would welcome him into your life, you'd be welcoming me. And so I determined, okay, I've, I've got I've to welcome Bill somehow into my life. Now, welcoming someone into your life doesn't mean there aren't limits, right? So I can't go out there and spend all day listening to Bill every day. But I made a commitment that as much as possible, I was going to be looking for Bill. And when I saw him, I was going to pause and give him time. You know why? Because Bill is just a lonely man who needs somebody to talk to. And I think that's what Jesus calls us to look like and to be like, to, to look like the love that says, I'll give you just some of my leftover time and welcome you into my life. You and I have the choice. We can believe in Jesus so that we can go to heaven when we die. And that be it? I don't think Jesus just called us to that. I think Jesus called us to follow his path, to follow his way, to be a disciple, to take on the life that he takes on. And just as we sing how much God loves us, I think that same God is asking us to offer that love to the people around us by being people of hospitality rather than hostility. This week, today, tomorrow, someday this week, you're going to have an opportunity to put it into practice. There's going to be a stranger. Maybe it's the guy behind the counter at the gas station. I've got a guy like that. His name's Ali. He's Pakistanian. He's Muslim. And I loved it the day he shared his faith with me. He's the stranger. Maybe it's a person you work with. Maybe it's somebody you hang out with. Maybe it's somebody you've chosen to be involved in their life. Whomever it is, I want to invite you to make the hard choice to face your fear, to face your selfishness, selfishness, and to be a person who follows the way of Jesus into the way of hospitality. And I invite you to commit to do that. Thanks for listening to me this morning. Would you stand with me, please? Let's pray together.
Lord, even as I share this message, I, Lord, am challenged by it and I'm reminded of how often I don't live it. I'm I'm reminded, Lord, of how often I just, out of my fear and out of my being consumed with my own life, Lord, often I don't even see the stranger, let alone welcome them in. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll help me. And even as I pray for myself, I pray you'll help all of us to not only see the people around us, but, Lord, to be people who model love and hospitality. And, Lord, help us always to avoid hostility and the reactivity of that and embrace the deep value within us of welcoming strangers. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being here today. You're dismissed.